Hey, how many of you guys love seeing our youth up here leading and serving? I'm a little bit biased, but I think they're like the best part of our church. Um, often we say like, hey, like the youth are the future, but the reality is that the youth are the church now. And we talk as youth leaders and youth pastor, I get the honor of working with our youth all the time. And we often say like, I wholeheartedly believe that uh, revival is going to start with our youth. Um, God has been moving in incredible ways in the youth ministry, and it's starting with their obedience, um, with their faith and what God is asking them to do. So I'd encourage you, church, when you see the youth around here, when you see them up here, uh, would you affirm them? Would you re- go out of your way to encourage them? Uh, maybe if there's a youth that you connect well with, uh, maybe volunteer to be their grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, kind of adopt them, take them in. Uh, they need you to pour into them so that they can be who God has called them to be. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm so excited. I get to do my favorite thing in the world this morning. I get to talk to you about the Word of God. Um, If you have your Bible with you, would you go with me to Galatians chapter 5? We're going to read verses 22 through 23. We've been going through this, this collection, this series of the fruit of the Spirit. And I love what we talked about last week, that it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of what happens when we walk and when we abide in our relationship with Jesus. So Galatians 5, verse 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Somebody say goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Today, we are going to focus on goodness this morning. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is... Let's try that again. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is... God is... Do you believe that with all of your heart, church? As I was, like, getting ready to... To, to prep the message and what God was wanting to say to us this morning, um, I really felt like before we can dive into the goodness, the fruit of our life, so the evidence of what Jesus is doing in us, we first have to talk about the input. Before we can talk about the output, we have to talk about the input. What is goodness? So goodness, if you go back to its original Greek word, it means the uprightness in the heart of life. Uprightness of heart and life, it's often correlated with generosity. It's correlated with kindness. Ultimately, to make this simple for us this morning, goodness looks like godliness. Goodness looks like godliness. You see, the only one who can be holy and completely defined as good is God. God is good. Goodness is godliness. Goodness is one of the most common attributes of God, that he is good through and through. His nature is good. His intentions are good. His heart is good. His character is good. If you read in in the Bible and you look at Genesis, when, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, when he started out and he created night and day, he created the animals, he created the ocean, he said when he looked at the creation, he called it good. God creates good things. God is good. Psalm 119, verse 68, it says, You are good and do only good. You are good and do only good. It says, Teach me your decrees. So I learned two things from that verse, simple takeaways. It's that A, God is good, and B, God does only good. 
God does only good. And God's word says that, but church, I think that sometimes we have a really hard time actually believing that God is good. I think that at the core of who we are, we struggle to believe that to be true. Or we believe that, yes, God is good to my neighbor. God is good to my parents. God is good to my family. He's good to my siblings. He's good to my coworkers. He's good to my boss, but God's not actually good to me. How many of you guys have thought that before? Thank you for honesty in church this morning. We often think that, yeah, God's been good to this person because we see what? We see the fruit. We see what we think is the evidence of God's goodness in their life. And we're looking for God's goodness in our life. And often we say, hey, this is not matching up. This doesn't really make sense. This is what I want to see. This is the goodness that I should be seeing in my life from God. And this is what I'm seeing in their life. And God is good here, but I'm not really seeing God be good here. Why do we believe that? Because church, life is hard. Life is hard. And I think we go to these questions, we, we say, well, if God is good, then why are all of these bad things happening to me? Why am I walking through this hard time? Why am I walking through this valley? Why does everything feel so bad right now? Life is hard. We live in a sinful and broken world. Things are going to get hard. And Jesus actually promised and he told us, hey, life is going to be hard, but take heart. I have overcome it all. It's going to get tough. You're going to walk through hard things. And in fact, when you become a believer, it gets even harder. Why? Because God's asked us to do something. He's asked us to lay our lives down and surrender our will to pick up his will. And that's hard. Life is hard. But that does not neglect the truth that God is good, even though life is hard. Life is hard and God is good. Life is hard and God is faithful. Life is hard and God is kind. Life is hard and God is with me. It doesn't have to be an and, it doesn't have to be a but, it's an and. God is with me and I'm walking through a hard time right now. I don't think I have to stand up here and, and tell you that life is hard. I mean, I, you, you have your stories. You, you've walked through things. You've experienced things. You, you've gone through trauma. You've gone through grief. You've walked through things that don't make sense. So I don't have to tell you that. But what I am here, I am here on assignment this morning to remind your spirit, to remind your soul that even though life is hard, God is good and that he has been good to you. Specifically, you. Individually, you. Individually, your family, your home. God has been good to you. And as we talk about the fruit of of the the spirit and what that looks like with our lives, Again, we can't, we can't necessarily talk about the evidence of goodness until we as believers have fully accepted the fact that God's been good to me. God's been good to me. We, when we talk about fruit, um, I don't know a lot about gardening. I can barely keep my succulents alive, and honestly, those are the easiest plants to keep alive, so I don't have much hope. But I do know that it starts with a seed, right? A plant starts first as a seed, and as it's tended to, as it's nurtured, as it's taken care of, then it begins to develop. Then it begins to thrive. Then it begins to become everything that it was supposed to be, and the same is true for us. We cannot give something that we don't have. And I feel like many of us have been trying to give something out of ourselves that we ourselves don't even really believe to be true in our faith yet. We cannot walk in God's goodness and share it with others until we first accepted that God's been good to me. 
We cannot freely and wholeheartedly give to others because we haven't wholeheartedly accepted God's gifts to us first. God's been good to you. We cannot declare with our lips and with our lives that he is good and yet fail to believe that in our homes and the way we talk and the way we talk to God. His goodness is not exclusive. His goodness is, is not private. It's not something we could ever earn. His goodness is nothing that you could ever earn. There is nothing that you can do. You can't be good enough to earn his goodness. His goodness is a gift. It's not something that we can develop. It's actually a grace and a gift that he freely gives to us as we abide in him and as we walk with him. He freely gives it to those who call upon his name and they choose to put their trust in Jesus. So if God is good, he is good, period. Everything that he has done and will do in our lives is out of his desire for our good. You know that nothing slips through the hands of God? There's not one, one piece of your story, there's not one chapter of your story that he didn't see, that he didn't see coming, that he didn't have a, a plan or, or a change coming afterwards. There's not one moment of your life that he hasn't been right next to you. There's not one moment that he has forgotten about you. There's not one moment that he's neglected you. He has been with you from the very beginning, even before you were a thought, before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He had good plans for you. And I think what's hard, church, is that our definition of good is vastly different from God's definition of good. We define good different than he does. He defines good by who he is. It's just who he is. But we define good by what we can see. We define good by what's cute, what's comfortable, what's convenient, what looks good for our lives, maybe our own perspective of what should be happening in our lives. God created us so he knows us better than we could know, ever know ourselves. Therefore, he will do what is best for us every single time. Every single time. Keep in mind that God is omniscient. It means that God knows some things. No, God knows all things. He knows all things. Before, after, in between. He knows every single detail. And we like to pretend like we know it all. Where my know-it-alls at? It's okay. <laughs> we like to pretend. We like to act like we've got it figured out, even though we have no idea what we're talking about. We like to pretend that, God, I'm going to tell you what's best for me. God, I'm going to show you what, what I think this should be like. God, I'm going to tell you what I think this should look like. And we think that we've got it going on, but God is omniscient. There is nothing that he is unaware of. There's nothing that he does not see. So when he doesn't do what we want him to do the way that we want him to do it, we have to remember that he knows all things. He sees all things. And he understands things in a way we will never be able to understand. Often we think we understand our circumstances. We think we understand what's best for ourselves. And we can't even see straight. We can't even see clear. But God does. He can see. He knows best because he knows it all. And honestly, a lot of times what God does and how he moves, how he works, if I'm honest with you, I don't understand it. Because when I have my idea of like, God, I think, I think this is what you should do. I think, I think this would be good. Actually, I think this would be great. So God, if you could do this for me, then I'll, I'll know that you're good. And, and so sometimes when God goes, huh, Brooke, huh, 
we're not, we're not doing that. I get a little bit confused because I'm like, God, that doesn't look good to me. God, that doesn't feel good to me. I get confused. Why don't you, why don't you fix this? Why don't you change this? Why don't you, why don't you see things the way that I see things, God? Why don't you put yourself in my shoes right now, Father? And, and why don't you help me through this? And, and, and then I start telling God what to do and how I want him to do it because I have this limited perspective. I want to ask you a question, church. How do you define good in your life? How have you defined good in your life? Is it defined through your lens, your limited perspective, or do you allow God to define it? Do you allow him to have the final say? The one in which we live and move and have our being. How is good defined in your home? How is good defined in your expectations of other people? How is good defined in your expectation of yourself? How do you define good in your life? You see, we cannot go out into the world as believers expected to bear this fruit of the generosity of our God when we ourselves have not defined him as so. We could go out tomorrow morning and and be like, yeah, God's good, but the reality is that we're still kind of struggling with those doubts inside. I don't know, like, is he really good? Is he really faithful? Psalm 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. God's goodness is something that we only get to experience through a close encounter with him. I don't know about you, but you can't just go to Chick-fil-A and stand outside and look through the window at the menu and say, yeah, Chick-fil-A is good. Yeah, it's delicious. You have to go inside, go walk up to the counter, order your thing, tell them thank you so they say my pleasure, and then you got to get those chicken nuggets so that you can dip them in the sauce and taste it and say that is some good chicken. You got to get real close to the chicken and the waffle fries in order to like, I'm sorry, it's Sunday, they're closed, you can't go here after church. But you got to get close to it in order to like encounter and to know that Chick-fil-A is good. And if you have a different opinion, you're wrong. (laughs) It's good. You've got to get close, right? You've got to taste to know. In Psalm 34, 8, God says, taste and see. Taste and see. So how do we expect to experience the goodness of God in our lives if all we do is push them away with our doubts, our assumptions, our discouragements, our frustrations, and say, God, you're not doing this, so you're not good. God, you, you didn't come through here, so, so you're not good. And, and what we're doing is we're creating this space in between us and the Father. And when the reality is that when you go up to a tree, you, you can go and you can pick the fruit and you can walk away. And I think often that's what we do with God. We, we, we take what we want say, okay, this looks good, and we walk away. But imagine the father as the tree, he, he's, he's rooted there, and he wants us to do what? He wants us to abide there so that we can experience and have everything that he has for us. But too often, we, we take one glance, we take one, we do like a, a quick little thing, and we grab it, and we go. It's like a drive-through faith. 
I'm just going to take what I want. I'm going to go, and, and we're leaving this space. And the Father is saying, if you would just stay here for a second, if you would just abide with me, if you wouldn't just come to church and, and leave and call that, you're, you're good to go for your faith for the week. Like, I want to spend every moment of the day with you. I don't, want, I don't want the pastor's word to be my relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to abide with me. I want to give you my peace tomorrow morning, but I can't give you my peace if you're running away from me. I can't give you my joy if you're distancing yourself from me. I can't give you this fruit that I have for you if you're just creating this distance between us. And, and often we say, yeah, I'm good. I'm full now. I'm going to take a step back. But it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the one who takes refuge. If you've never personally encountered the goodness of God, could it be that you've never stayed long enough? Could it be that you've never actually gotten close enough? Could it be that you've given up too soon because you started to get disappointed, you started to get discouraged because your limited perspective said, no, God's not good because he's not doing what I want him to do. And I get it. Like, I have my own limited perspectives. I have my own frustrations. I feel it. And I often, in my own faith, I have let those wounds create this distance from me and God and saying, God, I just can't do it right now. God, it doesn't feel good. But church, the feeling of good and the fruit of good are two completely different things. See, what feels good, we could talk about this all day. What feels good is actually often bad for us. Because the, the Bible talks about the differentiation of the, 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 how we're, we live in the flesh, right? But God has given us, as we're talking about in the Galatians, the opportunity to walk in the spirit, to bear his fruit. But we have to die to our flesh. But our flesh wants what feels good. Our flesh wants to be comfortable. We want what's going to taste good. We, we want that, that exhilaration. We want that excitement in our life. And, and the Bible actually says you got to die to the flesh to walk in the spirit. What, what feels good and what is actually good for us are two completely different things. But I've been there, and, and it harms our relationship with Jesus when we say, God, it doesn't feel good, so I don't want it. When God's saying, what's good for you, what I have for you, is going to be a little bit hard. Good and hard are often rightly correlated in the kingdom of God. It, it requires discipline. It requires sacrifice, but it is worth it every single time of say, God, I know that this feels good, but what you want for me, I know is going to be actually better for me. I know it's actually not just going to like temporarily satisfy me. I know what you have for me that is good is actually going to sustain me. It's going to hold me over. It's going to give me the strength that I need. Just because he doesn't answer that prayer or come through for you the way that you wanted him to doesn't make him any less good in your life. God is good on your best day, and God is good on your worst day. And you may feel like maybe you're doing great in life. You're like on this mountain. You're like, I am just chilling. I want to encourage you to don't think that, that you got yourself there. God's goodness got yourself there. God's goodness carried you there. And if you're in the valley, know and take heart that God's goodness is going to sustain you there. God's goodness is going to follow you there. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and head up. 
So who are we to tell God that he is not good when good is who he is? Good is who he is. To taste and to see that the Lord is good means to trust him, to seek him, and to fix our eyes upon him. As I was driving here this morning, I felt like the Lord says, do you want to get to know him or do you just want something from him? Do you want to get to know him or do you want something from him? Psalm 34, it was written by David as he ran for his life, and he was actually hiding in a cave when he wrote this psalm, Taste and See that the Lord is Good. And I don't know about you, but in my flesh attitude, I probably wouldn't be sitting in a cave fearing for my life, saying, yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm about to die. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. It's a good day. But David had this understanding that God is good even when life is hard, and He was threatened to be killed numerous times. He messed up. He committed adultery. He murdered somebody to cover up the fact that he had committed adultery. David was just like us. And his circumstances were not good, but he focused on the one who was good. He focused his eyes. He trusted Jesus. And over and over in scripture, we were promised that we're going to go through hard things. We're going to experience heartbreak. We're going to go through trauma. Doesn't that sound exciting? But the promise is if you remain in me, I'm going to give you everything that you need. And even when you're at your absolute lowest, when you feel like nobody can pick you up, even there, I'm going to sustain you. And even in the valley, when your friends look at you and they say, you should be, you should be depressed right now. You should be like going to different things to find peace right now. Well, they're going to look at you and say, why do you have the goodness of God all over you? Because I've chosen to abide in him. And he is my only hope. He is my only source. In Exodus 33, Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out. And and Moses was afraid. And he said, Lord, I don't want to go if you're not going to go with me. And he asked the Lord, God, show me who you are. Show me your your glory. And what God did was he said, Moses, I'm going to show you my goodness. My goodness is going to go with you. And so I think a few of us are familiar with this story. Moses goes up on this mountain. He encounters the glory of God. The glory of God, and it was his goodness. And Moses comes down off of that mountain, and it says that his face was literally glowing because he had encountered the living God. And more than what we can get out from God, more than the, the things that we want from God, church, we just need to want him. His glory, His goodness, to abide in Him, to live in Him, to have this communion with Him that, God, I don't really care about what you can give me. God, I just want you. I just need your peace. I just need your presence. Father, I can't get up tomorrow morning if you're not going to go with me. God, show me your glory. Show me your goodness. Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Nothing that you walk through or experience is gonna slip through his hands. He promises to be with you through it all. And how do we experience his goodness? I think David makes it pretty clear. He says we experience it by taking refuge in God. And by taking refuge in God, what that really means is I'm going to trust God with my everything. Not just with the things that feel good to trust him with, but I'm going to trust him with all of it. And so I feel like he's asking us this morning, church, what is that thing that you don't want to trust him with? 
What is that thing that you want to hold on to because it feels better if you're in control. It feels better if you can hold on to it because you want it to be good. But your father wants it to be good even more than you do. And this morning he's saying to you, you can trust me with that. You can give that to me. I'm a safe place. I'm the best person that you could come to with these secrets. I can, I'm the best person that you can come to with these doubts. I'm the best person that you can come to with this compu- with the confusion, with the grief, with the hurt, whatever it is that you've been struggling to trust him with. Church, trust him with that this morning. Say, God, I'm going to give this to you. We can't do better than Jesus can. We, we think that we can, but we can't. And if you believe that God is good and that he works all things together for good, why not believe and trust that with that thing that it's hard to surrender, that thing that you hold closest to your heart, why not trust him with it? God is good all the time and all the time God is good and that means everything within us needs to exemplify and glorify and be given to him. Why? Because he is good. He is worthy. God's goodness is more than we could ask or imagine. It can't be earned and it can't be outrun. It's steady and it's patient. Even for those of us who have been struggling with letting go things for a long time, he's patient. He's patiently asking, hey, just give it to me. Day by day, let's just do this. Like, give me a piece of it. Give me a little bit more of it. I'm gonna stay with you. I'm I'm gonna hold your hand through this. Though you feel like you don't deserve it, his goodness is for you. You feel like you could never experience something good in life? His goodness is for you. You feel like you've only ever been disappointed in life? His goodness is for you. It is the fruit of who he is. God is good. Psalm 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to ask you to close your eyes. This moment is just between you and the Father. I want you to picture that in your life, which has been good. Those good memories, those good times, the things that you find to be the, like the best version of good in your life right now, I want you to picture those things. And I want you to picture God's goodness and his mercy following you on that mountain. It's not by your own doing, but it's by his grace that you've, you've got here. It's by his grace that you have that family. It's by his grace that you feel that joy. It's by his grace. I'm gonna ask you to do something a little bit harder. I want you to picture that in your life, which has not been good. I want you to relive some of those memories that are hard. Those moments that you felt like Jesus isn't with me, those moments that you felt alone, those moments that you felt like nobody saw me where I was at. I want you to feel what you were feeling. But now I want you to picture God's goodness and his mercy wrapping around you. I want you to picture your father standing right next to you in that moment, crying as you were crying, grieving as you were grieving, upset as you were upset. The thing about our God is that he doesn't just expect us to get better like this. He walks with us. He's patient. You see, even in those moments of what you were feeling, God was there. His goodness, his mercy all over you. It's not a feeling. It's a fruit. And it's the truth. 
He's always been with you. You can look up. His goodness has been attentively caring for you even when you had no strength left. His goodness has been sustaining you. And when you had no faith left, he has been faithful. He has been good. And I want to draw your attention to the word follow. He didn't say that they would lead us. Goodness and mercy are not leading us in life. He specifically says, my goodness and mercy shall follow you. Meaning you may be going slow, but his goodness and his mercy are still following you. You may not have this faith thing figured out, but his goodness and his mercy, they're still coming after you. You will never be without the goodness of God if you choose to abide in Jesus. You will never be without the grace of God if you choose to abide in Jesus. All of your life, he has been faithful. All of your life, he has been good. But it starts with trust. And this morning, are you willing to trust him? I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing this song called The Goodness of God. And maybe this morning is the first time that you're recognizing that God has been good to you. And maybe you just need to like just sit during worship and just like take it in, take his goodness in. And maybe this morning during worship, you just need to start trusting him with things and start re-surrendering some of the things in your life and saying, God, I thought I knew it was good, but you knew what's better. So God, I thank you. And just begin to surrender those things as we worship because church, he has been so good to us. He has been so faithful. Let's worship him this morning.
One more thing as we get ready to go, expect his goodness. Expect his goodness. 
I mean, some of you aren't going to be expecting and he's going to hit you blindside with it. So expect it. Be looking out for it. He is good. And he gives good gifts to his kids. He gives the best gifts to his kids. And I think it's time that some of us, we, we just fix our eyes. We look up. Say, God, you are good. Even though it doesn't feel good, your goodness is all over me. But it doesn't stop with you, right? Because it's a fruit. We talked about what God wants to do in you, but it doesn't stop there because when, when you really encounter that, when you really encounter him and the closer that you get to Jesus, the better that he gets and you can't help but tell other people. So I wanna encourage you this week, you're gonna, felt, you're gonna tell five people, you're like five, that's a lot of people, you can do it, I believe in you. Five people about God's goodness in your life. And maybe it's like uh, something like this big, or maybe it's this big. It doesn't matter what it is, but I want you to tell five people this week, this is how God has been good to me. Because it's easy for us to talk about, yeah, this is what's going wrong in my life. This is what I wish was better. No, this is how God has been good to me. And we're going to focus on that. We're going to focus on his goodness. Amen. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. Hey, if you are a guest, fill out that card. We want to get to know you, but you guys have a great week and God is good.